This morning's reading is taken from James chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical need, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accomplished by, accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by, my need, by deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see, a person that is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab, the the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. It's very good to see you all here today. we, we have been exploring in our life group about God as a father. And I think when he sees us all together, it's like a proper father when all the children are around the table for supper. And if you like, very proud. So I think God is very happy to see you all here. And everybody over there in Zoom land, perhaps you have people from all the places join us as well. Um, ah, whew. What scripture we have today? (laughs) Goodness me, help me, help me God, shall I say. I will start by saying that in May of the year 1500, Pero Vaz de Caminha, which is probably someone you never heard about, is a Portuguese explorer, found himself in a new land, and a foreign land obviously, called Brazil. He then wrote a letter to the king, Don Manuel, describing the land. So I would like to show you this beautiful picture. It is a place where we had the first capital of the country called Bahia. Well, Bahia is the capital. The city is not Bahia, but is somewhere by the coast. So in his letter, he said, up to now, We do not know if there is gold. Well, I think he knew, but anyway, that's what he wrote. Silver or any other metal yet unseen. However, this land is very rich in pure air and abundant waters. If you make the most of it, this land will give you everything you desire. 
Thank you for this light. I, I tend not to be looking so much, otherwise I will be missing it. <laughs> because of these parts of his letter, we have a famous saying in Brazil, which is, if you plant, you can harvest anything there. I'm sure, perhaps he as well. So I am going to show the second slide now, which is just full about of lovely fruit. I try to taste them here, but honestly, they don't taste the same. <laughs> so, well, Pervas Caminha was right when he said, if you plant any seed in Brazil, soil, it would grow and produce. So from north to south in, in that land, when you visit, or if you visit my home country, you can see different veg vegetation, different grains, different roots and leaves, and that would be throughout the year. It is being produced in a very large scale. In every garden of every single family house, you could see bananas trees, oranges, guavas, cashew fruit, it's quite difficult to produce, but everywhere you go, we have another Brazilian nodding her head, saying, yes, that's true. <laughs> Different potatoes, vegetables, as well as all sorts of herbs for cooking or making tea, if you only have the courage to plant them. Not too hard to keep them producing, as we have water, and the weather is also great for the production throughout the seasons. As we know, we are looking at the book of James, and here's a quick summary of where we are. We have this, this third slide which says in the first preaching, Chris in his sermon told us or talked to us about trials and temptations. I don't know if you remember that. That was James 1. And, and in that particular day, I learned about the importance of not just being, giving advice and encouragement, but even doing some discipline should be done with love. Do you remember that? Yeah. Okay. Very good. Okay, in, in the second day, Chris also uh, spoke about listening and doing things and that we are, we need to be quick to listen. I remember that. And very slow to speak. Also about caring and doing for those in need. Don't know if you remember that. And this is a choice, isn't it? We need to be choosing that. Last week, we heard uh, what James says about favoritism. It was quite shocking. <laughs> and how we should treat everyone fairly and equally. It's not very easy. Well, as today is not easy at all, <laughs> I'm going to talk about faith and deeds from James 2.14. We have seen a little of what happened when Brazil was discovered, and I'm going to share with you a little of Brazil's spiritual history, as I think it is a good um, picture of the relationship between faith and deeds. We are. 
going to explore today. So in this passage we just heard through reading, we see James telling us that faith without action is dead. So in Brazil's history, the planting in the spiritual field was just as fruitful as planting and farming the fertile soil. Missionaries, gurus, spiritual leaders introduced to so many religions and faith from all over the world since our colonization that it has made us, Brazil, as a country with the largest number of believers in many types of religions and their spirituality. Probably never knew that, but I will give you lots of Brazil today. I'm sorry. One example of this is Spiritism, which was brought to us, Brazilians, in the early 1800s from the French. I like French people, by the way. So it is known as a way of getting spirituality better by the practice of doing good deeds before dying. So it sounds as if you are enlightened by, God's, by, by good spirits, so you are a person with gifts, and behaving in great manners, you develop your spirituality with practicing good habits for your spirit and body and soul. So all your best inclinations would be to do good things, not only to people, but to animals, as well as for the nature, in order to make peace with God and reaching a peaceful place to live in the eternity. That's what they believe. So this can also be possible by reincarnation, another thing they do believe. It can happen as many times as possible until you reach a high level of purity of spirit to become a light and live with God. It probably doesn't sound very interesting, but I can guarantee we have a large number of believers in Brazil, talking about millions, even. So as I was saying before, this seed has grown and produced a lot of believers in spiritism. This religion can cause conflict and make many people confused about their faith and it promises its followers not answers only to suffering, but to disease, to illnesses, and it is all through uh, contact with other spirits. On the other hand, Brazil has been known as a Christian country with the Catholicism being the largest church in numbers of members for centuries. Some brave missionaries were sent to Brazil to bring their religion and also to convert many of, many of us. Much of the preaching was very legalistic and people were taught uh, that to be saved, there was a list of things you could not do and that would be, believe it or not, including playing football for a place like Brazil and girls wearing trousers. We only had this discussion yesterday while we were having breakfast as a life group. Remember that, Joy? 
So a lot of Brazilians also learned that you had to do certain works in order to be saved. And this was not only in the Catholic, Catholic Church, sorry. All the preachers told us that the leader was the absolutely authority on all things and must be blindly obeyed. There is no other way to be better than obeying them. That's what we were told. This mixture of doctrine and sometimes slightly skewed theology has produced a big division in people's mind, which is very difficult to repair. Still, according to recent surveys, 89% of the population believe in God, and the country has the second highest Christian population in the world. I don't know if you knew that. Now back to the scripture, we see James beginning with the question in verse 14. What good is it if someone claims to have faith but is without the deeds? Well, Brazil has this huge population of Christians, but is also one of the worst in the world in terms of inequality, poverty, corruption, could say very loud, drug addiction, murder, and the list goes on. James tells us that faith without deeds is dead. If this huge population of people who claim to have faith were putting it into action by loving the neighbors like we were told here not long ago, I believe Brazil would be a very different place today. Do you think? You're there with me, thank you. Good. (laughs) John Wesley said once, Give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and I care not a straw whether they be clergymen and laymen. Such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. Ouch. This is challenging, isn't it? And it's not about Brazil now. John Wesley was not saying that about Brazil. Sorry. Well, there is also a paradox in Brazil. The spiritists, the people who believe in spiritism, and also the majority of the Catholics, they believe that religion and religious work are something you do in order to get or to receive something else in return. If you try to teach the gospel or the grace of God, saying that we can't read God's favor or grace by doing things to please him, they won't listen. They won't because the principle of their belief is based on works. So there's no way for you to try to change it. That's what they believe. That's why I said it's very hard to change this concept or belief. They believe that you reach God's favor or grace by doing things to please him. 
Spiritism also believes in the matter of reincarnation. If you reincarnate in many different bodies, sometimes they do believe you can become as an animal. That's what they preach. Yeah, in the other life, if you were very terrible, this time you come as a dog, or because in Brazil, some dogs live on the streets and they're very bad treated. So that's you paying for your previous life that was not so nice. So they, they believe you do this to have a chance to purify your sinner soul and reach eternal life in peace. On the contrary, we also have many others who believe you do not need to worry about anything because anyway, Jesus has done it all for you. So just live clappy, happy, that's it. So you are free to do whatever you wish, and that's fine. Well, Jesus did it. Don't have to worry. There is no concept about sin or its consequences in life as once you have accepted their religion or teaching, so you are saved by only being part of that church or even professing their creed. You don't need even to go to church. Go when you please. As well as following their leader's command, that's more important, you are, you are doing very well. Some are great in their words of positivity. We have lots of spiritual coaching growing up now. It's very, very important. You have to have some coaching to give you advice how to do you with your spiritual life. That's very important. And others, by just declaring prosperity gospel, in, in the name of God, even, using some special Bible verses, obviously. There has to be some that comes what they want to hear. However, I'm talking about Brazil, and I feel very happy to say, because I am Brazilian, okay? So I'm not accusing anybody. I know how it is. However, they actually do not act as a Jesus disciple, you know his teaching about loving, caring for your neighbor as the same way as for yourself. It's just about how do I make myself better. This is a command that is clear throughout the Bible. Jesus tells us that the greatest commandment is to love your neighbor. How can you love your neighbor without deeds? Do you think it's possible? I agree. You're very right. It's also the most difficult thing to do as we are very selfish most of the time. We don't want to help the others. Well, I don't. I'm very honest. Well, tell me, if you have the only one day in your week that's your day off, well, being British, I'm judging you now, <laughs> Would you leave your house in the cold, take five buses to visit someone in need? Be honest now. No, I know you don't. So why you do this? Well, if you do it. This is a struggle we have all the time. 
We don't want to help the others, and we want to do what is best for ourselves. It comes first. It's me. Of course. I am suffering. I am pain. I am lonely. Why would I go to do something for someone else when I need? Sorry. It's not me. Chris gave me this to preach, so that's what I feel I have to say. You tell him later if you're not happy with me. Um, this is a struggle between the spirit and the flesh. And in Galatians 5, 7, 17, we see Paul telling us about this. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are in opposition to one another so that you not do things you may not do the things that you please and thinking of these uh, Galatians 5 I will share with you please uh, if you can have the full slide it's a, it's a very old song by a favorite singer I, lo I love and she says about this dilemma and it says there I suffer from a bad affliction since my life is a contradiction to life's war inside of me, and though I want the spirit to win, seems the strong man gets his way. I start my life the same each day, praying for a better way. Made up in my mind, I'm going to carry out the good that I desire, but it seldom works out right. I know that life is choices, is chances all day long. Since my right just always turns out wrong. Some are deeds of ignorance, sometimes disobedience. But does it make much difference when it's all rebellion, rebellion in my heart? Can I ever make it right? I don't do what I know is true. I do what I don't want to do. But I do it. Oh, yes, I do it. That's me every day. I don't know you. Maybe you are in a different level of spirituality than me. But that's how I feel myself. And someone just mentioned, I think it was Toby mentioned about the power of the music that comes to you. It just struggles me sometimes with some songs I, I sing. I think it's so hypocrite if I sing just blah, 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 not feeling. Because music comes from in you. So when you sing, you must believe what you're singing. Otherwise, you must be a very good actor. Every day I have chances to do good things. Every single day. And I'm talking about me. From a morning devotional reading, or by just praying before leaving my room to start my daily routine, which I do every day, so meeting different people and having the opportunity to plant good seeds and practice God's loves by helping people, giving support, maybe feeding the hunger. I have so many opportunities every day. In fact, there is a fight inside me in which I end by doing the wrong decision sometimes and failing. 
probably not different of many of you, perhaps. The true message of the gospel was about Brazil by some of the famous British reformers. They planted the seeds of the gospel in the fertile soils and hearts of Brazil, teaching us how to see the scripture and how to live by its concepts. The United Kingdom was a Christian nation that sent thousands of missionaries, especially to Brazil. However, this nation is no longer the hotbed of Christianity it once was, very sadly to say. In an interview I read with Andrew Walls, a worldwide well-known Christianity historian, he states that all the big religions in the world are still based in the place where they started. Islam started in Mecca, in, and, and the Middle East is still the center for Islam. Hinduism started in India, and it is predominantly the main bed of Hinduism. But Christianity is an exception. Its center is constantly changing places. It's like it's on a constant voyage, and where it goes, it gets stronger than the place it came from. Let me explain. It originated in Jerusalem. So after Jerusalem, the Hellenist people considered the barbarians embraced it. To Alexandria, then North Africa, Rome, prevailing there for many centuries, obviously. And after that, another group of barbarians from the North Europe, some Franks, Anglo-Saxons, Celtics, and there we go. After that, it was introduced into North America from North Europe, from North Europe through the colonization and the migration. And finally, in the 20th century, we see the same religion, Christianity, being retroceding and changing places again now for Latin America, Africa, Asia, with the growth in a 10% higher than the population growth. So two decades ago, passing 50% of the Christian population are there in the South Hemisphere. So in 1900, Africa was only 1% formed by Christians, and today they are more than half of the population. According to the survey, in the next 40 years, the center of Christianity will migrate again. So during the interview I was reading, Andrew Walls was asked, why does this happen? And he answered that the Christianism brings in its base fragility and vulnerability. Vulnerability. Oh, thank you. So he concludes by saying it is the vulnerability from the cross. Because the heart of the gospel 
is the cross, and it has everything to be about giving up the power and share possessions, and even worse, serve the others. So according to us, when we Christians have power, we find ourselves rich for a long period, and then we silence the message against sin, grace, the cross, if we don't lose it completely. Then our religion becomes or transforms into something safe, very convenient for respected people that make effort to become like a good one. We're so good that we don't need to be worried anymore. So what happened with our Christianity? That's the question. For that people we have become when we see James saying in the same way, faith by itself, it is, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So many of us are already then dead. We are already dead then. My goal here is to say why the Spiritism in Brazil preach you do good things to read or to receive eternal life in peace or salvation. I say, because we are saved by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and by his only resurrection from dead, we do good deeds and we do love our neighbors as a result of our belief that this is Jesus' will for his followers. It's the contrary. I don't do anything to read that. I do it because I am rigid for the, for, for the sacrifice as a consequence. Very simple to understand. Well, for me. In verses 18 and 19, James is asking us to show faith without deeds uh, as faith alone. So, well, he says, even the demons have that. It's, it's not a big thing. What are we doing today as a church? How are we contributing to the growth of Christianity today, especially in places where the gospel has not yet been preached? So verses 21 to 25, James tells us that faith and deeds work together. Therefore, Abraham his faith was made complete through his dead, deeds. So thinking that faith alone is okay is foolish. Because it is important to believe as well as important to act on something to confirm that we believe it. I find it hard to understand some people when they tend to affirm their faith based on words only. And we can't see any deeds or any action of love in their speech. That's very, very difficult for me to understand. I just look at it and say, well, it's vague. It's vain. So we go for the fifth slide there. We have this picture that's quite, well, art sometimes 
it speaks very loud inside of me. I can spend hours looking to a piece of art like that, and I just go into it. I feel I, I am there. So it's about the paralyzed man. We know this story. So this man was healed by Jesus only because of his friends. I don't know if you agree with me, but there we go. So his friends had acted in generosity and support and help him. I am convinced there was many reasons for the paralyzed man to be overlooked as he was an invalid and could never be able to meet with Jesus by himself as he couldn't walk. Can you imagine? The, the, I don't know how many people. He would never see Jesus. He would never get close to Jesus because he was paralyzed. It was not that he didn't believe it. He did. He believed in Jesus. He heard about him. He was excited. Maybe in his heart he said, well, I'm going to be healed. Well, how? Well, he did believe. And also his friends believed as well. He just couldn't get to. Even closer to Jesus. He couldn't. The best picture here is the fact that his friends got into action and did everything they possibly could to make this man encounter with Jesus and also get healed. Can you imagine? We're here. <laughs> In the middle of the preaching, someone just opened the roof. I can imagine you just running. Well, it wasn't packed. I think the place over there, people were just standing like in a big sardine tin. And suddenly, someone opening the roof of the house to bring this person where Jesus was. Well, they had faith, but also they worked on that. And it is important as a lesson to be learned here today. What kind of friends have you got? After me preparing this, I thought, well, I need to think about my friends now a little bit more. Would they do the same if it was you who needed that miracle? Just think about me. Do you think your friends would make the effort? We need to think about how much hours we spend with people with the same kind of attitude. Can you imagine how different this world would be if we all, the believers, put into action the teachings we have received from our Savior Jesus and his example of how to love the humanity on our daily basis? How different life would be with the crime, for instance, famine, greed, hate, poverty, homelessness rate, just by acting like Jesus did. Serving instead of being served, or even loving instead of expecting to be loved. Just have a quickly thought how life would be. In my quiet times with God, I tend to look back on what I have received from him in terms of provision, love, grace, acceptance, and I try to return it to others as I believe this is what the gospel is meant to be.
freely received and so freely passed on to others. I feel in debt as I, when I look to the cross, and actually I feel ashamed. The believers mentioned at the end of this chapter, such as Abraham and Rahab, were considered friends. They were also considered righteous, and so on. And sometimes I obviously consider myself a very long way from them, but I know myself enough to tell you I am in the process of becoming a closer friend of Jesus, and I would like to do more acts of faith. The men and women of faith here, they were acting and doing great deeds for what they believed, as it was their cause. So it should also be my cause. Well, my goal, at least. It is important to be declaring what I believe, what I believe in, but moreover, it is important to act with some righteousness in order to see a change in this generation that is ready to become less involved with the scripture as it is, and even less committed with the ser seriousness of how how true the gospel is by living in the way it say we must. So to conclude, as I shared a picture of the paralyzed man, I would like to share another one by Domenico Fetti called Eti Homo, illustrating Jesus and his crown, a suffering Lord that has impacted Nicholas von Zinzendorf a noble German who lived in 1760, and he's also a founder of Moravian Church, and who spent his fortune doing great deeds, such as donating his money and possessions to the needy people. He saw this work of art, I'm gonna show you in a minute, during his tour around some capitals in Europe when he was only 19 years old. I don't know if you have seen this picture before. But what caught my attention about that frame, it, because it has on the button underneath where, where the artist wrote something saying, um, yeah, what it's saying down there is, I have done all of this for you. What do you do for me? And I got, like, very paralyzed when I saw that. Well, I don't think you, you want to go to any museum and see a shocking image like that and the courage of the artist to write down there, as you see the picture, some words like that. It's quite impacting. Well, the picture itself shows you some kind of need of rethinking in what you believe. And especially when he said, what do you do for me? So, well, um, when I was a teenager, I used to do uh, some acting because I was very uh, shy, believe it or not. <laughs> so when I was uh, learning about acting, they, they said we should learn how to dance, how to sing, so many things. I think it was to make us a bit less shy. 
And, and because of that, many times I preach it, I, I like to sing as well. Although I, I know I don't sing very well, so forgive me for that. But I, I just thought about this chorus of a very old song that every time I sing just made me so uh, in awe of everything Jesus represents to me. Everything he did means to me. So I had actually worked well with Janet Johnson, because I said, Janet, be prepared. If I start singing, it goes wrong. Please just come and rescue me. <laughs> so there we go. I will sing just a little um, part of the chorus of a very famous song. Sim, eu amo a mensagem da cruz. Até morrer, eu a vou proclamar. Levarei eu também minha cruz. Até por uma coroa trocar. You probably think, why are you singing in your language? That's the only way I could do it. Believe me. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how do you feel, but I feel like we should sing as a congregation, in a cappella, like I did. You know, I'm very unconventional. You can see that. Do you mind, Janet? Janet Johnson, do you mind singing? <laughs> I think she doesn't want to. Anyway. <laughs> I would love you to sing that in English. If there is people playing, that's fine. If there is no, just as it is. You don't have to stand. You don't have to do anything. I just like you. If you feel you could sing this in gratitude, because it's, it's a kind of thing we decide to do. Do you agree with me? Yes. I'm so honored that you could help me. <laughs> so as you leave this place today before we sing, or as you switch off your computer at home, I plead that you allow these words to be as a seed planted in your heart with the same perspective the King Messenger described Brazil when he referred to the planting seeds. Let it germinate and produce. You ought to believe in the scriptures and also apply Jesus' prayer which says, your will be done on earth through me, Lord, as it is in heaven, by acting and doing some deeds that validate what you believe. So before I say I finished, I would ask Janet to sing the you old cross, Rhodes cross. Can I sing with you? Yeah. Ooh, that's even more challenging now. Right, you start. You can start? No, you start. Okay. <laughs> there we go, you and me. So cherish the old rugged cross Till my troth is unless I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange We did it. <laughs> Thank you.
So I would like to pray if it's okay with you. Uh, don't take I came up here to say how horrible you are. Well, I don't think anybody would go to church to hear that. But when we come here and we see the scripture, it's not me saying, it's what the scripture says. We are sinners. We are. <laughs> if you like it or not, we are. And sometimes there's so many things to remember about what the scripture says, especially James. But I will pray that you and me, as we live here today, we find ourselves in a situation or in a position to rethink about the way we are living our Christianity, the way we see it dying in some places. Dying. It's so sad to say, but it's true. Countries that were once ago a place of revival is just like, I feel so sad. Me and Zara were traveling to a place and we went to a lovely church built, I don't know how long ago, and it turned to, into a bar. I was like, what? And this is okay for many Christians to see it. I just got so angry inside of me. I said, it can't be possible. Well, I don't mind if you want to go to bar. Go. But don't turn the house of the Lord into a bar. No, please. Why would you let it? And we do. Just bear in mind, as I preached, we are the church. We can renew it. We can make it different if we want to.